There we go. So, for tonight, I've got an experiment I want you all to try. And I am not good at this guided mindfulness stuff, but I, I will say I do find it effective, and I'll own that perhaps I find it effective because I'm a feeble-minded person, but I want you to try this with me. You don't have to close your eyes. Uh, in fact, I know Leaf and Carrie, you can't close your eyes right now, but uh, I want you to take a moment and relax. Just relax. Focus your mind on the corner that dictates memory. Think about memory. Are you there? Good. Now stay in memory. And I want you to think of the first sermon you can ever remember listening to. Any tradition. It doesn't, I know Kewen's trying to do that. It doesn't have to be by me, though if it is, that's fine. But just think about that first sermon. And think a little deeper. Think about the location. Where, where were you? Think about the church building itself, that smell of old wood and musty Bibles, or perhaps you were in a fancier modern one with Lysol and glass, or even with incense. Think about the voice of the first preacher you ever heard. Perhaps it was heavy, or high-pitched, or soft, or balanced. Now think about the subject. Perhaps you remember the text, perhaps you remember the theme of the sermon, perhaps you remember a couple catchphrases or words, and think about how it made you feel. Did it make you feel like God loved you? Did it make you feel angry? Did it make you feel confused, or sad, or focused, or even spiritual? Now with one last push of mental energy... Think about how that sermon ended. Now take a moment and come back. Now was that experience pleasant or no? Kind of, eh. I'm getting a lot of, eh. What, did anything in particular stand out? Any special memory? He was or was not? He was not. He was not. <laughs> Unfortunately. Now for me, I, I did this to myself earlier. I sat down, I thought about it. And the oldest one I remember is this politically charged sermon the pastor of my youth preached. And I won't even breathe what the subject was uh, or my feelings on it. But more than anything, it seemed to have left, I, I'll never forget this, much of our congregation who liked this pastor... Uh, we were conflicted as to why he would even preach on this subject in the first place. Now, I don't know if it had uh, much of an impact on my own personal theology, besides just giving me the deep understanding to never talk about partisan politics on the pulpit. But I guess for me, looking back, it's, it's kind of disappointing um, that such a memory, not, not an especially pleasant one, certainly not one where I heard a sermon and I really thought much about God, um, it's disappointing that such a memory is the first one that I recall. The sermon had little to do with the gospel. I don't remember the name of Jesus being spoken. It's been years. Uh, I don't remember when the sermon was spoken. This was the first one that came to my mind. 
Uh, all the sermon was was just the preacher's axe to grind. Now I say this because despite some of the teachings that are referenced early in the gospel, today we read Jesus' first sermon given in Luke. And if I were to do this mental memory unwinding exercise for a first century Jew, it would probably be a person like yourself on a day or night such as this, probably not as cold given their climate. Uh, but, you know, this person, this Jewish person, again, similar to you, sitting in a synagogue, waiting to hear the word of Adonai. And perhaps for the first time you've grown up until now, your life, I mean, in, in that time, you know, it's an agrarian society, you've probably lived a very complacent life. Let's say you're a farmer on the outskirts of Nazareth. The Romans have been around for a while, but they don't really bother you as long as you don't act up. And you might not have seen a crucifixion live, but you've heard stories about Jews and others who catch the long arm of the law because they misbehave. So you don't want to die, and you don't want to die like that, so you go along to get along. You're probably not a big fan of whichever Herod is king at the moment, but you respect the Jewish tradition to which he comes from. The Pharisees will tell you what a bad Jew you are, and the Sadducees will decry you for not being rich like them. But really, you think you do the best you can. And all of a sudden, you're there in the synagogue, and the son of your neighbor, Joseph, comes along, and in the middle of prayer, he takes the beloved Isaiah scroll. Now, you've heard a little bit about this guy who's about to preach. He's starting this fringe movement within neighborhood villages. Something about a new approach to God's kingdom or, you know, whatever. It's all the same to you. Kind of seems like a religious nut, but hey, you're tired of getting told what a bad Jew you are and how you're not good enough to be a citizen by the Romans. So maybe this Yeshua bar Yosef of Nazareth, formerly some sort of stone cutter, might, he might, you know, might have something interesting to say. And he really does. Because in his first sermon, Jesus will not only read the prophetic words from Isaiah, he will declare himself the fulfillment of the scriptural text. Those are words more powerful than any first sermon you or I have ever heard. I can only imagine the deafening sound of a pin drop that would have come across as he spoke. For he is not only quoting the word of the Lord, he is announcing himself as the physical manifestation of that word. He is using his text from this text from Isaiah to declare his mission statement. God's spirit is upon him to bring good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, recover the sight of the blind, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. These are powerful words. These are moving words. These are words that would get Jesus killed. Now, in my own sermon, I do not have the full linguistic capability to communicate effectively to you the power of what Jesus does in this text. I'm, I am not that good. Uh, the closest I can give to you for a modern example is someone coming in tonight, reading the Bible, declaring themselves the living word of God, and saying that their ministry is only for the outcasts of society, the people no one will care about. Jesus' ministry is for those who have no drinking water in Flint, those who have no heat in classrooms in Baltimore, those who cannot vote in Alabama. 
Jesus' ministry is for those who do not worry about when the plow is coming for the snow because they have no home to clear away and no job to rush to. This is Jesus' first sermon. This is Jesus' mission statement, and this is what will get Jesus killed. Now, the challenge for us tonight in hearing these words that have been spoken in various dialects for over 2,000 years is to decide what to do with it. The Spirit is upon Jesus, sure, but the Spirit is upon you as well. You are God's baptized children. So how is it moving you this evening? Had I heard these words when I was a child, as I recalled from my earliest memory of hearing a preacher, I would have been excited about something different. Had I heard them at different points in my life, I probably would have been cynical because ministry should not just include the outcast, but also, well, the, for lack of a better term, the in-cast, uh, such as myself. This text comes up every three years, and I hope you read it in between, because it is meant to be a moving text, a text that provokes. And Jesus was not wasting any time. Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today, this ministry begins. Now, what are you going to do about that today or tonight? Christ's energy has not burned out. Through your baptism into his death and resurrection, that energy lives through you. Your sins are forgiven. You are the freed captive. But there are so many in God's creation who hurt, who suffer needlessly, who long for justice and a moment of peace. And Christ's mission is for them. God's kingdom is for them. The scripture has been fulfilled in Jesus, but the mission lives on in us. We are called to proclaim justice. We are called to forgive. We are called to love. I don't know what you remember about that first sermon you heard, but let your memories of Jesus' first sermon never diminish. May the Spirit stir you to proclaim the Lord, living your baptism in the world. Amen.